It's the green lights on. There we go. Okay. <laughs> how did how did the gospel ever go forward before there was uh, sound equipment, right? <laughs> so Second so Corinthians chapter five. Uh, whether we are at home or away, so whether we're on earth or in heaven, we make it our aim to please Him. That's a, a great goal, and so that's what I want to focus on this morning, is our goal is to please the Lord. Now, we please the Lord in a number of ways, but in this context, Paul is talking about how we please the Lord in the way that we share his uh, good news with people around us. I was walking a couple of days ago on the Canada Trail here by the river, by the Fraser River, and I stopped to make a phone call, and as I was on the phone, this lady came walking up on the trail, and she came and she stopped by me. So I was on the phone, but she stopped. You know, not right next to me, but you know, from here to that standaway. And uh, so I finished the phone call, and she said, "Oh, isn't the river nice? And I hope the salmon will be." And she's talking to me, right? She goes, "Oh, I'm, I'm parked over here," and I could tell she's she's trying to work up to saying something. And so finally she says to me, Valentine's Day has passed, but I would like to give you something that talks about love. And so she reached in her pocket and she pulled out the Gospel of John and she gave it to me. And so I was delighted to see that there's another Christian who was walking down the trail by the river and just met a stranger and just wanted to stop and talk and then wanted to share Christ. That was great. And I hope that you're one of those kind of people as well. And, and it, I told my wife, I said, it's been a long time since somebody has witnessed to me. I have witnessed to lots of people over the years, but this was the first time in a long time that somebody had actually stopped and wanted to share Christ with me. So that was, that was very encouraging. And so this is what Paul is talking about, and this is what your focus are, or your theme is this week here, in, or this month at your church, is to be missional. So notice what Paul says here. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Boy, that's a solemn day ahead for every one of us, to stand in front of the Lord and give account for our life. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. Knowing what is waiting for those that don't know Christ, we work hard to bring the knowledge of Jesus to people. For the love of Christ controls us. Because we have concluded this, he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away, the new has come, and all this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself, and then notice here, this, I underline this, he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. This is the plan. There's not angels coming to tell the world. There's not messages going to be written in the sky. It's us. We have been given this ministry of reconciliation. That is... In Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. 
So he gave it to us, but now he's trusting it. To, like, there, there's no other plan. If, uh, if the gospel story stops with you, that's not the way God intended it. You, we're to all be like a chain in the link, or a, a link in the chain of making sure the gospel gets passed along. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. And for our sake, he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. As we were singing these worship songs today, I was just thinking about this very thing about, uh, you know, he is the way maker, the miracle worker. And the righteousness of God himself comes to us when we believe in his son, Jesus Christ. What a wonderful transaction that is when we are called justified, declared to be righteous in the sight of God. So we have this great task. So let me tell you a little bit about the BGC and uh, our, you know, our, our theme last year at our annual meeting was we're better together. And we've been seeing some really good movement amongst our districts and people saying, yeah, you know what, let's come together. Let's not be independent and sort of at loose, loose affiliation, but let's come together. And so we're seeing some very encouraging things happening with uh, the structure of our conference. So we want to promote uh, healthy churches and plant new ones. We planted a church in Timmins uh, this last year. Uh, they, plant, they start in the winter. Now, you in BC, you don't know what winter is. How, how many people here have a, a prairie background? All right, so, okay, you kind of know a little bit. So, the first Sunday in Timmins that they're having church, guess what the temperature was? Minus 40. First Sunday of their service. They didn't cancel. They didn't cancel. They had church. So they've been going, and we're planting more churches. I'm meeting tomorrow with a church planner who wants to go to Vancouver. Uh, there's lots of things going on in the conference as far as planting. We have a new one starting in Winnipeg. And uh, Ness Avenue Baptist Church, one of our uh, uh, conference churches in, Win in Manitoba, is sending out their associate pastor, and they're going to go plant a church in another part of Winnipeg. So lots of good things happening. Uh, the seminary is doing well. Uh, I was appointed as president of the seminary in 2018, and uh, it's continuing to move forward. We're having our prayer time this morning. I was sharing some prayer requests with them. I won't take more time today. But here's what we want to talk about, because this is what you want me, this is why you brought me here, is to talk about the world, the Great Commission. And we want to support the national churches that are around the world, but then we want to send more personnel from Canada. So three weeks from today, I'm going to be at a commissioning service for our newest BGC missionary, Todd and Crystal Warzniak. They're from a little church in Langdon, uh, Alberta, just outside of Calgary. And uh, they're sending the, the Warzniaks to Nepal. And so our commissioning service for them is March 22nd. And so uh, that's our conference, sending out people around the world to share Christ and to meet the needs of, the, of people. So our, the BGC mission statement you probably have heard it before, but let me share it with you again. We want to build a network of churches. So Abbey Baptist, you're part of that network. We want to build a network of churches that make disciples who live and spread the gospel of Jesus Christ here in your community and then in Canada and then the nations around the world. That's what we want to do. And uh, BGC, we have churches from Vancouver Island all the way to Halifax, Dartmouth area. So we have churches 
from coast to coast in our country. And we want to see our churches be strong and healthy. And then we want to plant new ones that will be fruitful and bring the gospel to people. And then we want to reach the nations for Christ. So let me tell you about something that we started uh, about three years ago called uh, International Discipleship Training. So if you look at this map, you see this very Muslim part of the world, all of these great Muslim nations. And inside, this one nation here of Iran, down at the bottom, we hear a lot about Iran now for all the wrong reasons, you know, nuclear and, and terrorism, and they shot down a plane with so many Canadians on it. And, and we, we hear about Iran in the news for all the very wrong reasons. But... God is doing a huge work inside Iran. So many are coming to faith in Christ. And it's very difficult to disciple them because Iran has an anti-conversion law. So if you are found out to have converted from Islam to another religion, you can be fired from your job, you can be expelled from university, you can be put in prison, you can even be put to death. Recently, nine uh, house church leaders were found guilty of uh, this anti-conversion, and they were all sentenced to five years prison inside Iran. So what we've done, and it, it, that little black arrow is a little tiny country that's not Muslim in the midst of this Muslim world called Armenia. Armenia is a Christian country in the sense that it's Orthodox. So it's not Muslim. Orthodox Christianity, not, not maybe evangelical Christianity, but it's Orthodox. And so it's a non-Muslim country, and inside that country, there's a good network of evangelical churches. So we have made a connection with them, and they have a church camp, and so we have been secretly, quietly, bringing Iranian people out of Iran by bus into Armenia, and training them, and then sending them back, the same way, secretly, back into Iran so they can continue to work with their church the house church network that is growing so quickly. So I'm going to show you a video. And in this video, you're going to see the work of the lady that you just took your missionary offering for. Emily Fast did this video that you are about to watch. And Emily has been given a task by us at the BGC. We've asked her to go around and meet with all of our global mission personnel and to do videos about their ministry. And so you're going to see. But watch this video. And also, I heard you mention uh, Pastor Madsen. Would that have been Wilbur Madsen? Okay, all right. So the first speaker you're going to hear is uh, Wilbur and Dorothy Madsen's grandson, who's now a pastor in the BGC, and he was on this last trip to Armenia. So watch this, and then we'll continue with the message. So that's uh, just a little snippet of what it was like uh, in Armenia as these Iranians who all have just a very small house church. Like they, they only have three or four people in their church because they don't want to attract attention. And so when they come, they, they'll turn the TV on in one side of the room and then they'll come over here to the other side and they'll whisper and, and kind of sing very quietly like this because they don't want to be uh, attracting attention. So when they come to a place like this, the, the freedom that they have to uh, worship and sing is very exciting. And they just wanted the teaching to keep coming all the time. So uh, this uh, conference, it's, uh, here's like a little rundown of it. It's a one-day bus ride for them, then a five-day conference. Then one day they've sort of come into Armenia with the cover story of being tourists. And so we give them a free day for tourism. Then a one-day bus ride home. And uh, last year we were budgeting at $300 each. So we were hoping to have 50 
students. We had 52. And so uh, to run a conference like this is $15,000. So our conference got behind this and, and uh, you know, people gave and churches gave. It's very exciting. And then those of us coming from Canada, we pay our own way. And then once we're there, we're living on the camp and eating with them. And so there's no real extra expense just to get there and back. So very exciting. And we want to do it again this year, but with this coronavirus, uh, it's very big in Iran now. Lots of people are being infected. Lots of people are being uh, affected by this as well. And so Armenia has closed the border, and no Iranians can come into Armenia right now. So we're monitoring that. We, uh, we still haven't canceled, but we're, uh, I was talking to yesterday at the Improve Your Serve. There was a couple of pastors that were there that want to go and do the teaching this year, and I said... You know, keep it in your mind and let's pray about it, but we're, we, we're not going to call it off just yet. But it's not, uh, if, the, if the virus situation doesn't improve and Armenia doesn't open the border, then there's really not much we can do about holding a conference because we can't do it inside Iran. We have to bring them out. All right, so that lets you get a little idea of what the conference is doing, missions. And I told you about the missionary new family going to Nepal. So the BGC, we're committed to the gospel and we're committed to the to the work of Christ around the world. But how about viewing the Canadian landscape? What are, what are things like at home? You know that our, our country has gone through a huge transition in the last uh, 40, 50, 60 years. We've gone from a Christian foundation. Our nation was founded with the French Catholic, Catholic Protestant background. And so although there's great differences between those two, there's still some very basic things about who is God, the Trinity, who is Jesus, the Bible, sin, and that was kind of our founding uh, ethos as a nation. Well, now Canada is in a much different uh, position as where, what we were founded on. And it didn't just happen. There was a dream of the government in the 1960s to create a secular society in Canada. We didn't just get here by accident. It was a plan from the government of the time. They said, you can have your church... At, in, you can have your religion in your home and in your church, but we're going to take religion out of the public uh, uh, sphere. And religion will be privatized. And so uh, many of us here, I think uh, I grew up uh, in, in uh, Alberta, and uh, in my first and second grade years, in the 1960s, uh, we would start every morning with the Lord's Prayer. How many of you had that same experience? Okay. All right. So it's not that way anymore, is it? And at least in the public school. I mean, Christian schools still do that. But in the public school, it's not that way anymore. Now, was everything perfect in Canada because we prayed? No. People, you know, but here's what happened. In, every day in the public school, the kids were taught there's a Father in heaven. You can pray to him. You can ask him to forgive you. You can ask him to give you your daily bread, to help you with your daily needs. Every day there was that uh, idea that there's God. Well, now that's been taken out of our country. And so what has been the result? Well, look at this graph. And it shows you the church attendance in our country. So over here, uh, at the end of World War II, 1946, two-thirds of Canadians went to church every Sunday. 67%. And again, that would be... Protestant, Catholic, but two-thirds of Canadians were in church every Sunday. And you can see the way the graph has gone, and the different colors are the different polling agencies. 
And you can see the way the graph has gone. There's a little uptick at different times, but mostly there's been a downward progression of church attendance to where we are today at 11% that go to church every Sunday. And so we're living in this secular time in our country. And what does it mean to be a Christian now? And sometimes people say, well, we just need to pray a little more and have a revival service and everything will be okay. We, those are great things, but we need to get over the need that this is going to be fix, a, a, fi a quick fix. We're in this slide. It was uh, uh, a, a plan, and this is where we are as a result of it. What is, let's, let's look at this graph. This, I was at the uh, Evangelical uh, Leaders Meeting uh, Evangelical Fellowship of Canada they invite all denomination leaders together and we met in October and we got this glum statistic look at this circle graph 59% of Canadians never go to church so remember 1946 67% went every Sunday now it's almost the other way 59% never go 20% go a couple times a year you know Christmas Easter uh, those kind of events and the blue tells you that uh, those are the people who go at least once a week. And then the dark blue is people that go more than once a week. So maybe there's a prayer meeting, maybe there's a Bible study. And so, but you can see that there's a, 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 the trend in our country is going in a completely different trend to the Christian uh, uh, foundation that, we were, that we were, our, where our nation was founded on. So... Canadians have kind of adopted this universal religious ethic that, uh, you know, there is a God who exists. He watches over us. But really, all religions are kind of the same. You know, they have different way that they're external trappings. But once you get past the, the, uh, the way that they sort of, the outward form, it's all really the same. And that is that we should all just kind of live in harmony together. It, that, that's the, the view that Canadians have, is that we just need to be nice to each other. And the most important thing is to preserve social harmony. And good people, this is how they will live. They will try to be doing good things to help other people. And so God doesn't need to be involved in my life except if I've got some real problems. Then I might pray if I'm sick, if my child's in the hospital, if I lost my job, then I'll pray. But other than that, you know, uh, I don't really need God. And so this is the world in which you and I are now called to enter into with the gospel. We're not living back in the 60s. We're living now in the 2020s. And we are called to engage our culture with the gospel message. Remember what our, we started off? We've been entrusted with the message of re reconciliation. We've been given the ministry of reconciliation. And so... Uh, in this time, how can we engage people in this religiously plural society? The Evangelical Fellowship, we came up with some things that we want our churches to focus on. So what can others expect from evangelicals? What can they expect from Abbotsford Baptist? What can they expect from the Baptist General Conference? So good deeds can create goodwill, which then can open the conversation about the good news. So we want our people to be doing good things in the community. I know you have a food bank, and are you still doing the after-school? Uh, you know? So these are the good things that we do. So good things, uh, good deeds creates goodwill. 
But we can't let it stop there. I mean, we just can't go about doing nice things and then not tell about Jesus. We have to do the good things that creates an opening for us to step into with the, this is the reason why we're doing it. It's because our, our, the Lord loves you and he wants you to have a, uh, 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 he wants you to hear the message. So as evangelicals, we, we want to affirm the dignity of all Canadians and, and respect for everybody. So there's all kinds of different ideas out in our culture now. Uh, LGBTQ, there's all the different things happening with intersectionality and all, oh man, there's so many, so many philo philosophical things happening. But as Canadians, uh, uh, as Christians, we want to say that all Canadians need to be respected and we want to work together for the public good. But when it comes to our religious agenda, evangelicals will never budge from this one thing that Jesus is the only way that we're going to have eternal life, the only way for our sins to be forgiven, the only way for us to enter heaven when we die. And this, of course, brings us into conflict with our society. Our society says, if you were to say Jesus is a way, we'd have no trouble. But when we say Jesus is the way, the only way, then we become discriminatory in their minds. We become intolerant. We become bigoted. We become uh, hate speech and all the rest of the things that get put up with this, put along with this. And so in this time, we're called to love our neighbors and to ground what we say and do in our faith so that the reason that we're feeding the kids after school is not just because we want to do some nice things, but because this is part of our Christian commitment. And we have to speak into our world in this serious time in the Canadian church. It's not a fearful time. It's not like Iran where we're worried about being arrested, worried about you know, being imprisoned. It's not like that. It could go there. I'm not a doom prophet. I, I don't like to think it'll go there, but it's a serious time. This, you can see the way the church tenants is going. You can see the participation levels, not just in, in your local uh, locale, but all across the country. It's the same thing. The trend is downwards. And so this is the time that we need people to step into uh, being a, uh, a witness for Christ. That's why I was so encouraged by this lady that talked to me at the river. You know, perfect stranger. And she walked up to me and she gave me this little booklet. And it's the Gospel of John. And so we had a good conversation about how, how it's going with, with her witnessing to people. And, and uh, you know, she makes it a point to try to share her faith with somebody every day. And, uh, uh, you know, I would guess, looking at her, she, she was using a, a walking stick. I would guess that she would be older than me. And, uh, she, uh, but she was determined that she was going to tell me the story. So she kind of, you know, took a while. You know, she wanted to, you know, she kind of <laughs> made some small talk. And, and uh, but you know what? She finally got to it. And she finally told me, here, here, here's, what I, here's something about love. And I want you to know about this. And that was encouraging. And that's the way we all have to be. We have to be in this dark time. So if our goal is to please the Lord, we must develop a biblical worldview. And this really helps us when we get up in the morning and what, what am I here for? What is my purpose in life? What, why, am I, why am I alive? Uh, is it just to make money and save up for my pension? Or now that I'm on the pension, is it just to collect my pension and and uh, go to church and sing and pray. But, you know, what is my worldview? So 
from the Christian perspective, or at least from the evangelical perspective, we want to affirm that the world was made good by God. He, he was the creator. And Hebrews 11.3 says, By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. And so the things that we see did not come from anything that can be seen. And so we understand that the Lord is the creator. But then this perfect world that was made fell. Adam and Eve, the first parents who were created by God, they were placed in that perfect environment of the garden. And uh, you know the story, that there was an enemy also in the garden, the devil, Satan. And he deceived the first humans. He got them, first of all, to question God's word. And you know what? The devil's still doing the very same thing all these thousands of years later. That's his attack, to question, did God really say, if you eat the fruit of this tree, you'll die? And he's still doing that. He's still getting people to question the word of God. And he tempted them to grasp for a better life apart from God. And when they ate that forbidden fruit, they died spiritually. You know, they continued to live for many hundreds of years after that. But they spiritually, the connection was broken between them and God. And they experienced guilt and shame and separation. And Satan, he continues to be the same foe for all of us. And he continues to draw people away from Christ. The Bible says in this previous chapter here in 2 Corinthians 4, that the God of this world has blinded the minds of those who don't believe, so they're unable to see the glorious light of the good news. And our Lord told us that he is destined for eternal fire with all his demons. The place in Matthew 25, the Bible says, eternal fire prepared for the devil and his demons. Now when Adam and Eve disobeyed, the human race fell and plunged into brokenness. And right away, the next chapter, we read that the sin nature has ruined the first family. First two brothers, there's envy and jealousy and then anger and then hatred and then murder and then cover-up and all the rest of it. And that lost and brokenness has continued now. It's been passed down to every human heart and affects our relationship with God. And it as Paul said, we've all sinned, and we all fall short of God's glorious standard. And so, we live in this world that's lost and broken, but it's still a world that's loved by God. I love the song that you sang about uh, God so loved the world. I mean, it's exactly what we're talking about this morning. Uh, he gave His only Son, that whoever believes will not perish, but have everlasting life. And so, this lost and broken world is loved by God, and so what, how is God going to, he wants us, the church. We're the ones that have been put on earth. You've been put in your place in Abbotsford. You live on your street, in your apartment building, in your complex. You live there for a purpose. To not just go and collect the mail and get your groceries and make sure that your car doesn't make a mess in the road and the oil spot. You're there to do some good things for the gospel. And this is the worldview that we have as Christians. A famous scientist said, see Stephen Hawking, he's, you might remember him, he's, he's been dead a few years now, but he used to, you know, he couldn't get around, he was in a wheelchair, very, very crippled up by his disease. But he wrote a lot of books, and he's got a brilliant scientific mind. And he said this, we're just an advanced breed of monkeys on a minor planet of a very average star. There's no God and no one directs our fate. 
See, if that's your worldview, then you'll try to solve the problems in the world in a different way than God's Word declares. Our society uh, tries to solve the problem of brokenness by there's billions, hundreds of billions of dollars of taxpayer money spent on education and social programs, therapy, prescription drugs, even prison for those who can't conform. And all of these efforts are good as far as they go, but most don't begin with the root problem of the sin nature, the brokenness between man and woman and God. And so they're trying to start solving problems at not at the most deepest level. And that's the gospel. That the gospel can change Canada. The gospel can change our community. And Jesus said in Matthew 15, all of our destructive impulses come from our fallen nature. From the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, lying, and slander. I mean, the Lord identified where all the problem is. It starts in the human heart. And that all these social programs and good ideas that society has to try to fix the brokenness, it, it's not starting there. And so that's where the Christian community steps up and says, we have the answer. We have a Lord who died on the cross and took our sins. And even though we were all like sheep that have gone astray and went everyone to our own way, God has put all of our sins on his son, Jesus Christ. So the idea here is that there's a longing in people's hearts. Uh, Ecclesiastes 3 said, God has put eternity in our hearts. There's a, long, you know, there's a sense in everybody, hey, is this really all there is? Is this it? Just chasing money and, and, uh, you know, and then you lie down and die. Is that really all it is? No, see, eternity has been put in our hearts. There's a sense of God. There's, uh, Pascal, the famous mathematician and the French man, he said, there's a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of each one which cannot be satisfied by any created thing, but only by God the Creator, made known through Jesus Christ. So, we are called as a sent people. Yeah, there it is. We are a sent people. This, this is the call to Abbotsford Baptist Church. This is the call to the Baptist General Conference of Canada. We are sent into this world. Jesus said, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. And he told me, and he told them, go into the world and preach the good news to everyone. And then Acts 1.8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, uttermost ends of the earth. We are sent. We're not a people that waits for someone to come and ask us, hey, why do you believe what you do? We're sent with the message. We have a commission. Remember what Paul said in 2 Corinthians? We've been entrusted with this ministry of reconciliation. God has given us this ministry. We are ambassadors for Christ. So what is God doing? What, what is his plan in the world? How, what's his answer for the brokenness in the world? Well, you know what Jesus said in Matthew 16. I will build my church, and the gates of hell, the gates of Hades, will not be able to stand against it. And as we read our Bible, we find that God established three institutions. In the Old Testament, he started with the family, Adam and Eve. That was God's first plan. And then, in, uh, then he has the nation of Israel in the Old Testament. And now in the New Testament, we have the church. And everything that God loved, everything that God created, everything that God uh, put his affection on, 
the enemy hates. And so the attack on the family is huge. The brokenness in families. And not just uh, the families you know, but around the world, the family structure is under attack all the time. And of course, when we read our Bible, we see how God, uh, or how the enemy tried to destroy Israel. You know, the firstborn boys were tried to be drowned, and the enemy nations would come in and conquer Israel, and Haman had an idea he was going to kill all the Jews, and, and there's this constant spiritual warfare in the Old Testament against Israel. Because through them, it's going to come the Messiah, Jesus Christ. And so if the devil could destroy Israel, he, in his thinking, perhaps, he thought he could keep the Messiah from entering into the world. And now we're living in the church age. God still has a plan for Israel, but we're living in the church age. And the church age is also now the attack of the enemy, coming hard against the enemy, against the church from a lot of different directions. And so Jesus said, I, I will build my church. And so let me invite you and encourage you here at Abbotsford Baptist to plug in fully into the church here, to use your spiritual gifts, your talent, your energy, your creativity. The church of Jesus Christ is this alternative community in the world. It's showing Christ to the world. It's marginalized people who have been set free and launched on a new trajectory. And being countercultural is not new to Christianity. So, yes, in Canada, we've been sort of pushed to the margins and we're no longer in the position of prominence that the church had, you know, 50, 60 years ago. We've been pushed to the margins. But guess what? We're still Canadians. We still pay our taxes. We still have something to say and something to contribute. And we shouldn't say, oh, they've pushed us to the sidelines, so therefore we're just going to be here, sit here and be quiet. Uh, the New Testament Christians and churches remain true to Scripture in similar days as we're finding ourselves now. And the gospel of Christ does not require the acceptance of culture to thrive. It thrives when Christians humbly proclaim it. Now, you know, the church is not a collection of perfect people. You will find here at Abbotsford Baptist, you will find mature, loving, committed followers of Christ. But you may also meet skeptics and doubters and people struggling and hypocrites. Uh, there can be some bad experiences in church life. I, I always remember that quote by Philip Yancey. He wrote, he said, I left the church because I found so little grace there. I came back because I found it nowhere else. And our one church can do many things, but when like-minded congregations associate together, more can be accomplished, like missions, seminary, church planning. And of course, you know, the BGC is this network of churches that we're calling our people to live and spread the gospel. And we resource our churches and equip our pastors to minister effectively. So let me end up by just going quickly on what are we trying to accomplish here at the end. One of the most common challenges is organizations forget what they're trying to do. At Harvard Business School, they have what they call question zero. What are we trying to accomplish? What is the basic thing? What are we trying to do here? And from a faith perspective is, what is God trying to do in the world? That's question zero. And to what part of this mission are we called to participate? So the mission of God, Missio Dei, Martin Luther called it. To, to be on reconciliation. This is what God's heart has been. God ultimately wants to restore people and creation back to him. When Adam and Eve sinned, you know the story. God didn't just sit up in heaven and go, ah, that's it, they're done. Like he did that with the angels. The angels sinned, 
and there was no chance of redemption for them. They got locked in. Those that stayed true are righteous. Those who followed the devil, or Satan, are now his demons. And there's no chance for angels to be redeemed. But for us, we fell. Adam and Eve fell. And God didn't have that same uh, attitude towards us. God came looking. Adam! Adam, where are you? And this is still God's plan to reconcile the world back to himself. He started in Genesis 12 with a man called Abraham. He said, Abraham, I want you to leave your father's house, your father's country. I want you to move to a land I'm going to show you. I'm going to give that land to you and your descendants. You're going to be a blessing to the nations, the world. And from you is going to come someone who's going to bless all people. And that became the nation of Israel. And Israel was, in the Old Testament was to be God's witness to the world of what it meant to be a, a, a people who followed God. And God put Israel right in the place in the world geography where all the major trade routes have to pass through the Middle East. So if you're coming out of Africa, you have to go through Israel. If you're coming from Europe to go to the Middle East, you pass through uh, the area. If you're going to, to the Orient, you pass it, the trade routes, the caravan routes, pass through. And so this people that was not worshipping all, not had a bunch of idols, not had a bunch of pagan deities they had just one god and they had a temple and and the news of israel was to of god was to be spread by israel through the nations then our lord came and he was the embodiment of the mission of god everything about jesus was perfect his ministry included teaching and his life his healing and then of course what we're remembering now in these days before easter we're thinking about how jesus how he went to the cross and he took all of our sins upon him and as he hung on that cross, all of my sin, all of your sin, all the sins of the world were put on him. And he suffered in our place. And he sacrificed his life on the cross for us. So everything about Jesus was perfect. But now he's gone back to the Father to be at the right hand of the Father, to intercede for us. And so what? He's left the church behind. We continue the mission of God. We continue the path, the, the message of reconciliation. We are to be engaging our culture. And we've been pushed to the side by what happened in, in Ottawa. But that shouldn't make us be timid and say, okay, well, they've taken away one part. But, man, I can still talk to my neighbors. I can still pray for my, uh, my neighbors. I can still share Christ with them. Laura and I, we live on a cul-de-sac in Edmonton. And so we pray for our neighbors. You know, we have Ken and Brenda over here, and Ray and Jen over here, and Paul and Neela here, and Margaret and her daughter, Caitlin, are living there. And we pray for them. And across the back fence is Dave and Brenda. And, you know, we pray for our neighbors, and we pray that opportunities will be given so that we can share Christ. We're on mission. And the time and money show the priority of our hearts. You know, what you're praying about is, should be like a forensic analysis of where you are spiritually. You want to step back and examine your Christian life? Well, what's on your prayer list? Is it just me? Lord, bless my family, keep them safe today, help the kids in school, help the grandkids in school, help us to do well. Like, okay, good prayers. But is that, the, is that the limit of your prayer life? Do you have 
room for lost people in your prayer life? Do you have room for the lost nations in your prayer life? The, our, our prayer life reveals a lot. And then also what reveals a lot is where we're spending our money. When you get your bank statement, your credit card statement, what do you see when you look at it? Me, 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 also me, also me. Uh, do you see missions, church, gospel, advancing the cause of Christ? Does that show up in your bank statement, in your credit card statement? See, those are the two little windows into where we are with this idea of reconciliation, you, you, uh, how, how connected we are with this. God did not give us wealth for our comfort, but so that we will use it for his glory. And money is a big test for all of us. Prosperity is often the biggest test. And unstructured time and, and what we use with our time and how we're praying. And, and, and God is not just the provider, but is the owner of all that I have. And so I'm managing everything that I've, he's given me for his purposes. So let me end up with this little uh, poem here. It's based on this scripture, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. So, got to heaven at the end of my life, had a great time with kids and a wife, but God said, just one thing I want to know, what did you think I meant when I said, go? So we often read that and we say, oh, that means going around the world being a cross-cultural missionary. But it also means going across the street and telling somebody about Jesus. It means uh, going to your family members, your extended family, going to people in your circle of influence, and go and tell them the gospel. You know, this dear lady that was witnessing to me, she was kind of stammering. She, she was sort of uh, shy. She, she, but, but you know what? She was determined that she was not going to end that conversation until she had shared the gospel of John with me. How precious. And so don't let the gospel story end at you. Pass it on to someone else. Someone is waiting to meet Jesus on the other side of your fear. Someone is longing to know Christ, and they're just hoping that they don't even know that they need Jesus. They, they know they need something. They, God's put eternity in their hearts, and they're looking, they're searching, and where's, where's the, what is life all about? And we're so fearful and and kind of polite as Canadians, and we're like, oh, you know, better not talk. You know, maybe they, I'll let them make the move. You know, we're supposed to go with the gospel. You think the early church got going because the, the, the apostles kind of stood around and said, well, I hope somebody in Jerusalem asked me about this. No. They preached. They got filled with the Holy Spirit, and they went out, launched out. And who would have thought Paul of Tarsus was ready to get saved, but... He was gloriously saved because someone shared the gospel with him. And so the devil wants us to be discouraged, but don't lose heart. Uh, a biblical worldview will keep you in alignment. And so, come on, let's, let's take this thing seriously. We've been given this ministry of reconciliation. Let's determine that we're going to do this. Let's be thankful. Let's live pure lives, sins confessed. Uh, let's be a holy church. And let's move forward so that God's power and blessing can rest in us so that we can impact our culture and our people in this time. Let's pray together. Lord, I pray for uh, all of us, Lord, for here at Abbotsford Baptist, God, that we will have such great freedom to share your good news with people everywhere.
And uh, Lord, I pray that we would take seriously this matter that we've been given, this ministry of reconciliation. Help us, Lord, at this church and at the BGC and the evangelicals all across the country, Lord. Help us to stand and count for you in this serious time in our church and in our nation's history. We pray in your name. Amen. I want to invite the worship team to come up.